All right, so today we're going to be talking about the concept of membership in a church, um, what it means to commit or not commit to attending, and I think that's it, right? Yeah, sounds good. Or how that relates to like how we might see that in open source too. So yeah, I was I was thinking about this topic because I was reading this book called A Commitment about um, a church that kind of took the approach of drawing these very clear lines around who is a member of the church and who isn't. And the idea being that if you if you want to show up and attend, you're always welcome to attend. You're welcome to you know take part in, and enjoy uh, the services. But if you really want to like be a part of the church, you kind of have to like, they want to know that you're super, super committed. And that means saying no to people that might just be sort of casually committed. Um, and yeah, just talking about what it means to have a smaller group of people that are actually that level of commitment. Yeah, I go to a church that has membership. And yeah, there are plenty of churches that don't. Um, and I think this is something that was, I guess, traditionally implied already that most churches have it. But then recently, it's more like, a, I think there's been a lot of, there's a long trend of wanting uh, church to be more friendly and welcoming to people in the sense, they use the word like seeker friendly. And what that means is that there's someone trying to seek God and it's like, oh, we want to cater to that. And so start in certain churches, maybe they're all of the churches, like maybe a majority of people are people that might not actually believe in God, but they're like looking. Um, and so maybe they, they think that having membership turns people off, but it's more like with membership, it's like, oh, you can see what it's like to be a member, uh, to be committed, to have responsibility, um, to be in a greater community with people. It's like, the depth of community versus just like, oh, I'm there. Or I only go on like, for a lot of people, maybe they only go on like Christmas or Easter or something like that. So what does it mean to be a member? What do you get if you are a member? And also what do you have to give to be a member? Yeah, so I think for a lot of places, you don't really, I, I think they get, it's not like a material, you don't like get, well, maybe, maybe they'll give you like a, a you know certificate. You're like, hey, you, you're now you're a member now. Um, and that's that's a thing, but it's, it's more of a sense of responsibility and then uh, of, you know, it could be a lot of things. So, like, maybe it's like, okay, you're expected to um, participate or, or to to be there every week for people to join a certain type of ministry to serve people in the, the skills that God's given you. Or maybe it's tithing or maybe it's, um, uh, you know, other kinds of responsibilities in the church. Um, and I think the way a lot of people think about it is that it's not um, a, I think my, my old pastor used the word like not a, not like a Costco membership where you kind of like pay a fee every year and then you get like these nice benefits or like sales on things. Um, it's like, no, you're committed. Um, and I think even the book, you know, it's like you're committed to this local group where you live um, for a foreseeable future um, instead of just like, I can come and go whenever I please. Um, where people want to know what's going on, you you care about what's going on with them. Sounds like it's almost more of a like a declaration or an affirmation of a level of commitment you already have versus you sign up and then kind of like grow into it. Right. Yeah. yeah exactly. You wouldn't uh, not unless you like just feel like yeah you know, you've been to this church like one week and you're like oh this is already for me. Um, you know, a lot of people, they might like wait a whole year um, to decide to be a member because it is, uh, it's, it's, it's like kind of like, um, 
you could think of it as like a marriage or uh, you, we would use the word covenant in a way it's like um you're signing something to say yeah i am committed to this church and the church is into also committed to me um in the same way do you know if anyone ever have they ever turned down someone who wanted to be a member but they thought were ready for it oh yeah so you you might have certain um I wouldn't, you wouldn't call them like hard requirements, but like a lot of uh, memberships, they have like a class you have to take. Um, and so maybe there's like every week there's like someone will teach something about like what does this church believe or what they do or the history, um, certain things like that. So you know what you're getting into. Um, and then at the end, maybe um, you have an interview with the, the pastor or the elders there um, just to talk about like why you're doing this and 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 where you can help out, that kind of thing. So it's, I, I don't know if people would um, like necessarily reject someone because it's like, if you're going to go through all those classes and all that, um, y- you get a really good sense of like what, why they're doing this and what, what they're, um, yeah, what they're doing it for. And how many people are members versus how many people would you say just attend as service and, and art members? Um, yeah, you, you know, it might be, you know, it could be like half. It, it kind of depends on the composition of the church. Maybe if it's, um, you know, uh, yeah, I, I guess it really depends. It's hard for, to say. Like, for your church. Yeah, I'd say, yeah, like half or so. Yeah. Right. Maybe, maybe, maybe like, and also it's like, is it like, does your church have a lot of, um, families or maybe it's like college students or, um, kids, it's like all those things kind of change the composition too. Interesting. So we were talking about this in relation to open source and the idea of like casual contributors versus longer term contributors and maintainers and how to create an environment where the casual contributor is welcome or, you know, anyone who wants to participate or wants to do more can do more, but, um, doesn't necessarily just sort of, you don't just sort of jump in and say, like, I'm going to, be a long-term contributor, you kind of have to like do certain things um, to show a level of dedication, but how do you do that without being like elitist about it? Right. Yeah. I I think it's weird with churches. You're not, you don't have to show anything about like how, you know, good you are at X, Y, Z, right. It's more like, um, so it's different with open source. Our level of trust is like, we actually do want to see that you, you know, committed code or, or reviewing pull requests kind of thing. But in terms, it's not like you're like, oh, I like read the Bible like five times a day or something. And then now you're a member, right? No, <laughs> we're not looking for that kind of. Uh, I think they are like sort of similar, though, or just in the sense that like the goal is to document your not document, but like you already are internally committed or interested and you're kind of just like doing the thing that you normally would want to do anyway. Um, it's not about like a test or proving yourself. It's just sort of about. You know, I think there's like some some way that you sort of like set up uh, a level of expectation that if you're this active or this committed, like you are doing this kind of work already. Yeah, exactly. I, I think that's a really good way of putting it. It's not you're not like taking a test or proving something. It's like you're just you've already done work or you've already shown something before, but you're telling the group or maintainers or the church that you are committed now. Like instead of it's kind of like saying like. You might do volunteer work just because or and or something like that. But then later it's like, oh, I, I'm committing to this. Or even like me, where I'm like, hey, 
I was already doing open source, right? And I'm, you know, it's fine. But then if I quit and I say I'm doing this full time, I'm telling everybody uh, that I'm committing to this. And it's kind of like a declaration to people in, in, in public, in the community as a whole that I'm doing this instead of just personally or individually. Has that worked out in practice um, on Babel in terms of like how maintainers became maintainers or more active contributors? Um, so I definitely have not like made a, I don't know. I, I never really thought about like what exactly it takes to do that or think about like, um, we don't definitely have, don't have like classes on <laughs> being a maintainer. I don't even have the right docs for that right now, which I, I want to do. Um, it would be interesting to make that more formal. It's more like, it's very, like, I feel like a lot of open source is very informal, especially if you're not like a huge project where like a lot of company backing and they're all paid to like, do that and you have people that are all thinking about organization right but in open source with just volunteers they're just maybe no one's doing it at all or one person's trying to think about that stuff so it's more like hey i found this person that you know has been contributing for a while they seem committed you ask the rest of the group and they're like oh that's cool and then you add them and that's it um and then you have to figure out what that onboarding looks like um it's more like we don't even have it at all i think in most cases so it would be it would be better to make it more explicit. Yeah. Yeah, and so like how does this play out with the sort of like more casual or one-off contributors in terms of I guess making it seem obvious that they can join but or they can contribute in however they want to contribute but not necessarily like you serve them I guess in a different way than you would serve a fellow maintainer, right? Yeah, but I guess it's almost like they don't, they might not even know if they want to be a maintainer. They don't know what it looks like. So it's like we should write down, um, like kind of what are the responsibilities of being a maintainer explicitly? Like what are the kind of things that we should, you should care about? And then that way they'll have a better sense of, oh, is this something I want to move toward? Um, same with membership. It's like you'll find people that are like, oh, you're a member. It's like, what does that mean? And you can talk about it, that kind of thing, um, in the same way. I just say right now it's maybe they don't even know that it's a thing or it's very vague. It's like, oh, I'm a maintainer. Everyone has their own definition of what that means. We were talking about the church, right? Where I was like, I've you know gone to church here and there, but like I didn't even know there was a concept of a membership. I thought everyone just kind of like agrees to show up sometimes and sometimes people are there more often than others. Um, and if, I, if that is a thing, then it's interesting to think about like, well, yeah, I didn't even know that was possible. So maybe I, maybe I do, but, um, but I think it was also like, I guess like what I also would like is to call out that there are people who are just going to be casual contributors. Right. And there are people who are just going to attend church every once in a while. Um, and I've gotten like really like very real pleasure out of attending church, not as like, I am a member of this congregation or something, but just because it was exactly what I needed at that moment with like my family or something like that. Um, and so like, there is like a separate ex- experience to be had where there is no expectation that you're going to be a member, but you still feel welcome just the same. Um, and I guess I'm wondering like, as a maintainer, like, how do you think about catering to that experience of like, we're just glad you're here. We're glad you're doing this once, but like the level of maybe like attention I'm going to give you or the level of commitment that I expect is just going to be different. Um, and how does that play out for you? 
Yeah, and I guess even with open source, I, my expectation on people becoming maintainer is a lot lower than like I feel like at church there is a there is a I guess there's a goal of making everyone a member, even though you might not. Um, like it's not like you have to turn everyone. You're not like you're forcing people to turn into members or anything. But I feel like with open source, it's like I it's even more so. It's like oh, they're probably just gonna like contribute. Maybe they don't you know want to be on this project, and that's fine. Well, actually, there is another thing that's interesting. It's also like, you know, the goal isn't just for people to come to your church. Maybe like if they, you know, it doesn't, that doesn't work for them, then you would, you could recommend other churches. And in the same way, maybe, you know, they're, they're just trying to do open source in general. Maybe they don't actually care that much about the particular project. And you can, you can lead them on to other projects that are like, oh, you might be interested in this as well. Have you ever done that with a contributor? Yeah, because um, maybe they're like, oh, I'm not into like compilers or maybe my language isn't JavaScript. So I could say like, oh, you should contribute to Webpack or React or something else. Um, yeah, I've never definitely done that before. And I, other people have done that for me as well. I'm curious, does that ever happen? Like, or does that tend to happen within the context of the project itself? Or is that like a conversation at an event? Like, where does that sort of meta conversation happen? Yeah, I think... Um, Events definitely a thing because you know people will come up like oh I want to contribute to open source how to get involved I'm not going to assume that just because they're talking to me that means they want to contribute to Babel maybe it's just about open source in general um, or if someone recommends someone that they want to get involved in open source uh, in the same way I I don't there's no like you know straight answer you can give them like oh how you should get started you you have to like really listen to what they're looking for uh, what is their commitment uh, do they just want to like try it out or they have a specific thing in mind all that kind of stuff hmm. and how much like i don't really know how to ask this question but uh to what extent do you think you should expect then to <clears throat> to like know and to learn that stuff themselves versus you're being helpful by giving them extra information yeah, that, that's, that is really hard. I guess it just, I can't say we should put all the burden on them, but then at the same time, I guess we can't really put the burden on us too. Um, I don't know. I think that's just where you have to work with somebody. And I feel like it's so much, I feel it's, it's so much easier in church where it's like they're coming and they already have, they usually have a reason for going, right? And you can talk to them about what's going on in their life. And it's also in person. Um, and if they, and also like, after the service or whatever, you can get lunch with them, you can chat, you can talk, you, you can do activities. But in open source, it's kind of just like, oh, they showed up, you know, and it's online. You have no idea about them. They have no idea about you either, um, unless it's at like a conference. And it's almost like I find myself not really wanting to do all that work online just because it doesn't feel effective. I think I've heard at least anecdotally from a lot of people that they'll find future future long-term contributors or maintainers by meeting them at an event first, whether it's like a workshop or a conference or whatever. And I think my, I guess my theory on that would be that you just have more context for someone who's like, if you took the time to go to a conference, then you have some level of interest. You already have some level of buy-in that's higher than someone who just like put the URL into a browser. Oh, I see. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I, mean, I was just trying to think of like what an extreme version of that would be like with church. Like if someone just sort of like walked into church and was like, what's this all about? Like, 
I'm guessing that people would talk to them and just because that would probably be a pretty rare circumstance. Um, but if you had people coming into church, like multiple times, every few minutes being like, Hey, what's this all about? You'd probably be like, all right, we need to put up a sign or something. <laughs> so people know what this church is about without disrupting our services. Right. It's uh well, so for that, we have like, um, we have a team I'm on, so I'm on the welcoming team and we like switch off and all that stuff. And you'll have people at the front where you can greet people. And the hard part is that sometimes you don't know who's new. <laughs> and so you have to like learn everyone's face and all that and be like, Oh, are you new? And then you're like, no, I've been here for a while. I was like, Oh, I guess this church is a lot bigger than I thought. Um, but you know, if, if you notice that they're kind of like looking around or something, then it's like, okay, maybe they're new and you can chat with them. Um, I think it's different because it's like, when you're at church, there's a focused specific time to be there, right? And then you're already, you know that they're coming, maybe, right? Or at least you're open for it. But in open source, it's funny. It's like, technically, they could show up at any point in time, at any time zone. You might be sleeping, they show up. Um, and that is very different experience, right? Yeah. Or if they're like emailing you or tweeting at you, and it's, it's like, yeah, <laughs> it's much more personal space. Um, I, I did want to talk a little bit about this idea of like what is a maintainer or like what distinguishes a maintainer's level of commitment from that of like a regular contributor. Um, and, and like what, if we had to, are there people who contribute in very specific ways to a project, but like, would it be considered a maintainer? And if so, why? Right. I think you were talking earlier that, we tend to want to uh, broaden the definition of maintainer because I was saying like, yeah, if there are specific people that only care about those things, whether it's like, so for Babel, it's like, oh, they care about this package or this specific um, implementation. Um, in some sense, they are a maintainer. They're just maintaining that small thing. And, you know, if you made that in another repo, would you call them a maintainer of that repo? And just because it's in the same project, it's kind of hard to distinguish. Um, but then it's like, they only care about that one thing. Do they have to care about every aspect? Does it depend on like how many people are working on it? Because um, mm -hmm. we're, I mean, we definitely struggle with this at GitHub of trying to figure out how to define a maintainer, um, in a way that was fair and objective. And I think while I was there, I, I erred more on the side of like, I think the definition I was pretty much trying to work with was if you're having to deal with like non-code aspects of the project, um, you're probably a maintainer. Like if you're thinking about triaging issues or reviewing other people's code, then like you're probably a maintainer or you've moved into some different realm there. But I don't actually think that definition holds partly because there's so, such different sizes of projects. Um, so that like there might be a project where you do just kind of mostly write code all day. Um, and there can also be like on the other spectrum, like a really, really big project where you're, doing like you just end up focusing on your specific area um, and so we would get maintainers coming to github who would say like i'm a maintainer because i maintain the documentation of the project and i think like there's there is probably some realm where someone could say that and also be a maintainer but i don't think it's maintaining the documentation that makes them a maintainer it's are you kind of like worried about the overall aspect of the project um, if there are like high level, like, like governance decisions being made, would you feel like you had a really strong stake in them, 
even that's like not a great definition, but, but there's something like intangible about a maintainer where I feel like your level of commitment is strong enough. You're almost like you're going up or down with the ship. Um, whereas like you could still be a very regular, active and valuable contributor. But if you're only concerned about your one area and like you were saying, you know, you might like ping someone if you had like react questions, like a specific person and they kind of come in talk about that or like work on that or whatever. And then they're otherwise not super involved. Like, I don't know that I would call that person a maintainer. Right. Cause it's just that one area, especially if you're only paying them for that one thing. It's, I, I, I tend to think it's like, are they thinking very high level and meta? And it's like, also maybe do they, when they think, when they see a PR or whatever it is, are they thinking of the greater whole or vision of the project instead of just like, oh, I want to get this in. Cause like someone that makes a PR that they just want it to be in there. They might not be thinking, how does this relate to everything else? Like the maintainer is like, oh, I've seen every other PR that's related to this. Or I'll even do the research to figure out like, you know, how does this affect XYZ or even not the project itself, but projects outside of it. Thinking like way bigger um, than people can even perceive, maybe. I think that that might be helpful. Yeah, that, I think that's useful. The idea that like you, you're someone who's seeing the big picture or sort of connecting the dots between different parts of the project or can just sort of like hold that entire vision and all its trade-offs in your head. Um, well, yeah, which is really hard to do. <laughs> just really hard, yeah, like trying to do that in my head right now. Um, yeah. And I think like and the reason I think we were talking about this was just the idea that like, at least I, I feel like there's sort of been this historical, um, like in the early days of open source, there was very much this focus on like a BDFL, but I'm a dictator for life. Um, and, and like the, the maintainer was the authority. And then there was kind of this swing in a different direction more recently around just like going very far on the other side of being super, super welcoming and bringing everyone in. Everyone can, you know, participate however they want to participate. And I think like I'm struggling to find that like happy medium between the two because there are trade-offs on both, right? Like when you're too authoritarian, then people are unhappy. <laughs> they don't enjoy working on the projects. Um, you find, you know, everyone's just in this very difficult situation where it's just like not at all democratic. Um, but then if you go too far on the other side, you find that like, it becomes really overwhelming to cater to the needs of lots and lots of people who might not necessarily be that committed and yeah, trying to find that line between um, like you're between keeping the doors open, but also requiring some level of commitment. And that's why I'm like sort of feeling more recently, I guess, in favor of like, can you draw a, a line around what a maintainer is a little more narrowly to say like, if you're a maintainer, like you are committed to this level, like we're not just going to kind of like, like if, if you, if you're, we don't want you to say you're a maintainer and then you just like leave the project and don't even think twice about it next week, then like, then how can I rely on you? Right. And yeah, maybe that's a good word, relying on people, like expecting that they're going to show up again. And even when they're not, because it's not like, you know, every day doing open source, you're like really you know, excited or happy about it. And same with going to church, you know, not every day you're feeling like devoted or whatever. Um, it's like, I, I, I think I've said this before, but like going, it's like, um, I went to a prayer meeting yesterday and I was talking to my roommate. He's like, Oh wow, you're so devoted for going to church on Wednesday. And I'm like, it's not because I'm devoted that I'm going. Um, it's because going will make me more devoted as well. 
And so same with open source. Continuing to do it will make me to continue wanting to do it. Because if I already believe that, it's good, though. So I think we like we talk about how maintainers serve contributors a lot. Um, but I'm also curious to learn, like, how do maintainers serve each other in that way? Of Like, how do you sort of, like, show up for if you have other maintainers? Like, how do you show up for those other maintainers? And how do you motivate each other um, or make each other strengthen each other's commitment? Yeah, I feel like in personal experience with Val, it's it's uh it's different than with church. It's like well, you can tell when people aren't like involved as much, and you try to encourage them on like you know they're dealing with stuff in their life, and maybe it's a little more like hey um yeah I appreciate what you're doing and that kind of thing, but it's still not as personalized as with church. It's like I'm not like doing video calls with people all the time on like how's it going. I mean maybe I'd like to. I don't know if they would want to do that. <laughs> but then with with church, it's like. You know, we have, um, whether it's this prayer meeting thing or um, Friday nights, I have like a Bible study um, at the end. We, you know, you talk about what's going on in your life and you're sharing and, you know, being able to talk about your, the issues that you're dealing with. Um, and even with open source, we have like the maintainers repo, but, you know, that's just a, a repo and it's kind of like, maybe you don't really know everyone that well. And having the events, um, I forgot the name of the event, like Maintainer Roddy or... Mm-hmm those kind of things. I think those could be, I haven't been to any of them, but those seem pretty useful to just be able to like be with people that um, are, are maybe dealing with the same issues. Yeah. I mean, within, within projects too, right? Like there's so many maintainers I've talked to who have like never met their fellow maintainers, which I just think is really funny. Um, it's just like internet friends. Um, yeah. Like I just, <laughs> that just happened to me, right? Like I went to San Francisco, like, what was it like a month ago? And I finally met like, Sebastian, who's the creator of the project. And it's been like, I don't know, like three years or something. So I guess like then, then I wonder like where, like where does the trust come from when you have, you do have to like trust each other. Like when you have fellow maintainers that like you're, everyone's going to be showing up and doing the work that they said they would do, or, you know, they're not just going to totally disappear on you. And I feel like it's much easier when you have like, in-person context you're like at the same church or something you're seeing each other face to face and you're seeing each other regularly um do you think it's like is that motivation just more internal and assumed with open source that like well if you're if you put in this much work already then i feel like i can trust you um or is it like is does the trust come from within or does the trust come from like is it like a shared bond between people I almost feel like, yeah, I think it's, maybe it's both, but there's also, maybe you can't really expect that much out of them either. Um, cause it's like, maybe you don't know them that well and you just trust because they've done all this work before. Um, but maybe it's just, if you don't have that personal relationship, it's going to be hard to really understand what's going on with anyone. Or maybe we only, we almost feel like weird. It's like, oh, maybe I shouldn't learn that much about what, who they are. And, you know, a lot of people think that open source is just about code or like it's just whatever. But especially as a maintainer, if you're going to have a team of people, uh, whether you're at a company and you're like you learn about what's going on in people's lives, you're going to have you're probably going to do that, too, in open source. Um, I'm not going to lie. I find that kind of like oddly refreshing. And I guess like the, the flip side is that maybe then like you just don't know someone and that's a problem. But um, I've been thinking about this in relation to work in general. Um, and I've worked in different environments and with different managers where like in some settings, you're just like 
super, super candid with each other, you know, everything about each other. You're just like close personal friends on top of working together. Um, and then there's like another style that's much more like you show up, you do your work, um, you talk to each other and there is a sense of like camaraderie and trust, but you don't really go like super deep into like each other's personal lives and whatever. Um, and I've actually found that I think I prefer the latter. Um, not to the point that like there is this medium where it's, it's not that you're like so not connected that you like, you know, you don't even really like each other or you just like, you know, this person means nothing to you. But I do like the sense that there's, I guess, some level of like, um, I hate to use this term, but I can't think of a better term, like professionalism, that when you show up, you're kind of there to like do the thing that is bonding you together, which might be this like shared work. But like when it becomes too personal, then it it just, uh, I don't know, I just feel like it can like kind of muddy the, the mission or the purpose because um, you can't really separate out like work from personal anymore. Um, and I definitely noticed that in um, working with people in open source. Um, I don't work on open source projects in the same way. So it's obviously maybe it's just like different and I am just more of an outsider. Uh, but I something I've noticed that I like about spending time with open source folks versus, um, I don't know, even just sort of like tech industry um, being in San Francisco where I am now. Like it is a little more depersonalized, but it doesn't feel any less close. Like I feel like there are a lot of people that I really like and trust and enjoy spending time with, but like I don't really know anything about their personal lives and they don't know anything about mine. And like I'm kind of okay with that. And I just feel like it 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 makes the it just makes it easier to like focus on the stuff that we do care about and that we do share. Yeah. And it's not like, you know, like work doesn't have to be family or same with open source. You can totally just it works that way. Yeah, and you can still build a lot of trust. Like, it's like you're you can still like be in the trenches together and work on something really meaningful together. It's not that there isn't any level of trust or commitment, but it happens somehow without the like overly personal touch. Um, yeah. Do you feel that way about like church stuff? Of like, is church like family or is church like church? Yeah. Um... I guess, I guess maybe that's something that's different about it then because it almost feel like if church was just work or, or yeah, it's just a, a thing, like a structure, it's almost like, what are we doing? What is the purpose? And I guess the purpose in open source and other things is to like make a good product and all that. But then with church, it's like, how do you, you know, increase your faith in God together? Um, and, all the, and it's such a personal thing. I don't see how it would even work without being able to share what's going on because most of the struggle with faith is about what happens in your life and how you deal with that. Um, and if you don't share any of that, everything is going to be vague. Um, the only way we can really solve these issues is being specific about what's going on and being vulnerable. Um, and doing all those things is hard because you don't want to talk about what's wrong with your life or what's wrong with you even. Um, so that that's the weird part because it's like in tech, we don't really want to do that. We only want to be perceived as being wrong. But then in church, I, some people like to say it's like a hospital. It's like for people that they know that they need help and that people are there to help each other. Um, but yeah, I can understand why that also is the reason why people don't want to go because it's like I don't want to talk about what, those things. I'm trying to think like hearing that is, I think, clarifying my own thinking a bit and that like, I do think vulnerability is 
good and should be encouraged because that's how you build trust. Um, I think the difference that I was trying to identify earlier is like, does the, like we're all trying to show up and bring our best selves and best self doesn't mean my most perfect put together self, but we're all trying to be constructive in the work that we're doing and doing things with the group in mind um, versus sort of like making it all about like, cause everyone has problems, right? <laughs> but like, how do I know how to respect your journey while also going through my own? Um, and I, I brought this up last time too, but because I'm not religious, I guess like my like workout community is the closest thing I have to church, which is sad, but true. Um, but there's, I think similarly, what I really like about that community is um, everyone is kind of doing their everyone's trying to improve themselves. Everyone's trying to like become their own personal best, but there's also kind of respect that like, we're all trying to do that at the same time. And we're, we're there together. And there's like camaraderie that like, we're all trying to get there, but I'm not going to spend like half an hour talking to my other like workout buddy about like <laughs> how hard it is right now. And like, this is so difficult and what, cause I know that they're going through the exact same thing. And like, I'm going to, if something like hurts or is difficult, like I will say something, but, then we're sort of like sharing that moment without having to like um, derail the conversation or derail the focus of the group. Does that make any sense? No. Yeah. It definitely makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I, yeah, I think that's like a nice thing about like, like church being a place where you can bring your truest self or your problems or whatever, but, mm-hmm. but you're all kind of there focused on something greater than just yourself which I think is the nice thing about God being part of that conversation. Yeah, because it, it's and also that, you know, it's not just maybe we're all feeling like that we can't do anything, but it's kind of like the whole point where it's like it's not you internally figuring it all out, but like God, you know, you're learning something about who you are and all that stuff. So um, it's like, I don't know, it's way more encouraging than just you know, just like, oh, it's going to work out. It's like, where is the specifics and where where is that all going? Yeah. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to continue the conversation, you can find us on Twitter at LeftPad or Nyafia or on our website, hopeandsource.com. <laughs>